From points across California, you're listening to the Disneyland edition of the Diz Unplugged. This is the Diz Unplugged Disneyland edition, episode 300 for the week of June 5th, 2014. The Disney Unplugged Disneyland Edition is brought to you by Dreams Unlimited Travel, helping you plan the perfect Disney vacation. Visit them on the web at www.dreamsunlimitedtravel.com. Hello everyone and welcome to the show. I'm your host Tom Bell and I'm joined by our Disneyland team, Nancy Johnson, Mary Jo Mlada-Willie, and Michael Bowling. In this segment, Mary Jo takes a day six drive to several of Southern California's popular botanical gardens. Mary Jo? Thank you, Tom. Today I'm going to take all of you on a visit to three beautiful botanical gardens located in Los Angeles. The first garden is Descanso Gardens, which could probably be translated to Restful Gardens. These are the largest that I'm going to talk about, and they sit on 150 acres of land at the foot of the San Gabriel Mountains in the La Cañada Flint Ridge area. The gardens are 45, about 40 miles from Disneyland, and without traffic, would take about 45 minutes to get there which would only happen at like 2 o'clock, not even 2 in the morning, maybe at 3.30 in the morning <laughs> to 4 o'clock in the morning, you could get there. It's only about 15 uh, minutes from my house. <laughs> we yeah, actually, actually be members. <laughs> well, they're, I know they're close to you. Yeah, they're great. Uh, and just such a pretty area. Lots of good restaurants around the area, too, I might add. Oh, I'm glad you said that um, because and at the end of the segment, Nancy, we'll, we'll just touch on that, okay? That sounds great. Uh, these gardens first belonged to E. Manchester Body, who was a newspaper magnate, and he owned the Los Angeles Daily News. He bought the property in 1937, which is relatively uh, more recent compared to the other ones I'm going to talk about, and he built a 22-room house. He ran a commercial camellia garden, and he provided boutonnieres for proms until 1953 when he ceded the land to Los Angeles County. I'm imagining that the boutonnieres didn't pay all the taxes, maybe? So you had to sell it. There's a whole other story about that, but still. (laughs) (laughs) The gardens include an extensive rose garden and a lilac garden. There's also a Japanese garden with a tea house and a stream filled with koi. Usually they're koi ponds, but this is a stream. Yeah, there are several. Pretty, right? Oh my gosh. There are several cherry and plum trees, azaleas, and other Asian plants. They also have the oak, for, oak forest, which is part of the original oak forest that used to cover this area. Mm-hmm. There's, and it, it, I mean, all the mountains, I mean, that's our typical landscape in Southern California, the oaks, but with all of the urban development, you know, they've all been cut back, but yeah. they were able to retain part of the oak forest there. There's also an edible garden, and depending on the season, you may find different produce that grow on vines, bushes, shrubs, etc., they have citrus, pomegranates, pumpkins, herbs, amaranth, corn, apples, and other edible plants. And when E. Manchester Body was building his estate, which he called Rancho del Descanso, which means Ranch of Rest or Restful Ranch, he planted thousands of camellias in the shades of the oaks. These flowers are still abundant throughout the gardens, and Descanso Gardens has the largest camellia collection in North America. There is also the 8-acre California Natives Garden, which is basically Mm -hmm. a garden of native plants in California. Besides the gardens, Descanso Gardens also has a train that runs around a section of the property. It is built in one-eighth scale of a diesel train. And it goes not through the whole property, but through some of the gardens. It's a similar scale to to Walt Disney's, actually. 
Yeah, and and adults and children can write on it. Mm-hmm. There is also the Stuart Haga Gallery located in the restored and enhanced garage. The gallery showcases various exhibits of contemporary artist work that focus on horticulture, garden design, and history, as well as other subjects regarding botanical gardening and ecology, etc. Did you go there, Nancy, into the Stuart Haga Gallery? Actually, they used to have that gallery inside the house itself on the first levels of the house. Well, um, they, um, of the estate. So, yeah, they remember how his garage stood on the property? Well, they, yeah, they restored it and they added to it. Oh, that's so, cool. So they've yeah. actually moved that into the, the thing. Actually, I have a great story about the Camellia Gardens, which is the true story of the Camellia Gardens, actually. The reason he got all those camellias to plant was that happened because of the internment of a lot of Japanese-American citizens. Um, there was a Japanese-American gentleman who owned the largest camellia nursery in the city and in the area. And when he was interred, um, Manchester Bodhi bought the, enti- bought his entire property and brought up all of his camellias and had them planted. And that's what makes today's camellia forest. That's really pretty cool. So he basically helped the guy out by, you know, letting him know that the camellias weren't going to go, you know, that his life's work wasn't going to be wasted. And it basically protected the treasure that they have now. Well, yeah. And it's, and like you said, it's a, tra- it's um, known internationally for that yes. garden. It's wonderful. The spring, the camellias bloom in a season. Um, most gardens around the U S have them in hot houses because they only bloom in warmer climates, like from December on. So December through March is pretty much their peak. And that's when you'll walk in and just completely enjoy this garden. I remember seeing them and how many, how many there were, because it's one of the things that they showcase there at Descanso. Mm-hmm. And then one thing about the grounds is it is, the Descanso Gardens is at the foothill of the San yeah. Gabriel Mountains, like I said. And so you're going to find yourselves walking um, up and down hills as you tour the air, the property. And they usually have a tram. The tram's not running. I don't know why. But so right now there is no tram. So if you do want to go there, you will be walking throughout the gardens. The, <coughs> excuse me, Japanese tea house, I don't believe serves tea. It actually used Does to. It, it yes. used to. But they, they used to have like, and I think sometimes it's seasonal that okay. they have tea, um, that they have tea and they have all kinds of little Japanese snacks is at least the last several times we were there. We haven't been there in about a year and a half, I got to admit. but And was the- it open when you went? Yes. Okay. Yes. And lilac well, season, can I say, is just wonderful, too. Right now we're at the end of it. But when they have lilac season, it is phenomenal. Most people don't realize that lilacs don't bloom usually in this section of the country. They need a lot of cold in order to bloom. And... They found that there are several varieties that require only minimum amount of freezing and chill hours um, for them to actually produce buds. And so all of these varieties are showcased. And I actually have one of those varieties in my backyard, and I love it. And there's quite, and that's one of the things, too, is you just don't realize how many different kinds there are. 
until you go oh, to yeah. a place like Descanso Gardens, right? And you see yeah, the abundance it's, of them. It's true. And, you know, one of the things, if you can't do the hills and you can't walk the hills, most of the gardens that you can, you know, with minimal um, elevated walking can be attained easily. Really, the Japanese garden is on the, on the main lower level of the garden. The lilac garden is only not very far up from that. So maybe it's another, I'd guess about 50, 60 yards from the tea garden. And then the big, the big rose garden and such is all right on that same main level too. So really, you can see a huge chunk and even the lower levels of the camellia forest without even going up an incline. The California natives garden is up an incline. Um, and of course the Bodie house is all the way at the top. So just something to consider if you're worried that walking the Canyon is a little rough. Right. In addition to the gardens that they have there, they have the Bodie houses, Nancy said, and it actually can be toured and, Visitors will be able to get a glimpse of the Hollywood Regency style that was popular when the house was built. And that's always fun to walk through to see how they lived in those days. How the other half lives. Yeah. (laughs) How the one percent. quarter percent. (laughs) Well, you know, they used to have a huge um, section of the house had an exhibit on the Bodies that they had up for quite a long time. And they may still have some of that that told the history of the Bodie house. And I believe they do have a book or two. On the family. Oh, yeah. And because on the gardens. They really did leave a beautiful area to the city, so that I was nice. I love the gift shop. Oh, the me gift too. The shop is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and so is the restaurant. The restaurant is actually operated by the Patina Group, which has our big Disney connection of downtown Disney. Um, and all of the, you know, all of the major restaurants in downtown Disney, Napoli, Naples, Napolini, or Napoli, or whatever the, th- the little place is called, Catal, Tortilla Joe's, all of those. Patina are group. Part of, yeah, it was nice to see that it was part of the Patina restaurant group. And They've really uh, expanded quite, because they, they also cater the Hollywood Bowl. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Good. Um, well, the one that Descanso Gardens... One of the cool things is that they, um, and their menu, they feature seasonal fruit, vegetables, and herbs that are grown locally, yep. even there on the gardens in their, in their, um, <coughs> excuse me, one of their gardens is, um, shows the different types of vegetation that, gardens that you could have in California. Yep. They also have a gourmet selection of fresh salads, sandwiches, homemade dessert, ice cream, beer, and wine. In addition to the gardens and the house, they also have the exhibitions that are there. And right now they have Abstracting from Nature, which goes from May 4th through July 27th of this year. And all of their exhibitions have something to do that's going to enhance your knowledge of gardening and the different types of ecology that there are, um, that you can do. So this particular exhibit... Extracting from Nature presents artists whose subject matter begins with nature, but through a rigorous process of artistic choice, reduction, and focus, and focus, transforms the natural and everyday into the abstract and mysterious. For a very long time in the history of art, the purpose of a painting was to create an illusion. The pictorial place of a painting functions something like a window with the viewer on one side and the subject, which could be a person or a landscape or religious scene, on the other. 
The painting was a picture of something, and the more realistic and accurate picture was, the greater the acclaim. Descanso Gardens are open daily except for Christmas, and the hours are from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., but check the website for times for the railroad, house tours, and exhibits. Parking Extended is free. Hours. Oh, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> uh, so they're do they close later than 5 p.m.? Yeah, um, they do actually from June 19th, which is coming up real soon, to August 21st, 9 a.m. to 8 p.m. Tuesday and Thursday. And what they do on those um, nights that are open late is they have jazz concerts on Thursday and uh, basically World Rhythms Global Music Style concerts on Tuesday. And these are really, really fun. And that part of the area is really warm, so I'm, I imagine that those yeah. evenings must be so pretty and fragrant. You're sitting there in the gardens listening to this music. Oh, I know. It's it, it's really, really cool. And they do offer some other really cool fairs and festivals. But like I said, uh, you need to kind of... Um, you can go on their website and actually subscribe to the calendar and get an RSS feed of the calendar. And they do have also some cool... Um, like Mary Jo was saying, the abstracting from nature's visit the abstracting from nature exhibit um and they also have um they even have discoveries camps which you can sign your kids up for sometimes they go for a week um they have uh different plant society shows on the weekends classes green thumb like they have a green thumb 101 um they have another one called little owls reading nest which is a kid's a kids program, um, you can just see all kinds of stuff. That's yeah, they amazing. offer so much. Oh, they even have evening yoga. And stuff, that's very so. popular these oh, days. Oh, Father's Day barbecue, and that's also brought to you by the Patina Group. So later this this month, you're going to Disneyland Resort since they don't offer anything for Father's Day. Maybe you might want to take your dad over to the Descanso Gardens and celebrate. Ooh, baby back ribs and chili cheese dogs. <laughs> That's like that. So admission <laughs> at this time is $9 for the general population. Seniors and students pay $6. Children 5 to 12 is $5 and under 5 are free. The Enchanted Railroad is an additional $3 per rider. And it, it's a cute, I mean, for that fee, it's a nice little ride around the gardens. Oh, and they also uh, do take reciprocal garden memberships if you have the uh, American Horticultural Society's reciprocal program. Like I know when I was a member of the Descanso Gardens, like I could even go back home to Shaw's Garden, Missouri Botanical Garden in St. Louis and go to the garden for free. So that's kind of a nice benefit um, to go into, you know, look if you belong to a botanical garden in your area. You know, double check because you may have reciprocal um, entrance fees. That would be awesome. Yeah. Okay, so next we're going to go to the L.A. Arboretum. Um, as a family growing up, we visited Descanso Gardens a few times, but the L.A. Arboretum was more popular for my own family. Um, it was probably closer to us, so that's why. It sits on 127 acres versus the 150 that Descanso Gardens sits. And it also includes a large botanical garden. It's located about 38 miles from Disneyland in Arcadia near Pasadena and is right next to the Santa Anita racetrack. So Make your something for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> so Sorry. again, without, without traffic, you're looking about 40 to 45 minutes from Disneyland. So go in the middle of the night. 
The area sits close to the San Gabriel Mission, which I spoke about on an earlier podcast, and it was once inhabited by the Tongva Native Americans, who we know as the Gabrielinos. The site was deeded to Hugo Reed and his Tongva wife in the 1800s, and the property went to various owners. By 1875, it went to Elias Jackson Lucky Baldwin. So if you heard of Baldwin Hills and Baldwin Lake, etc., that's who they're named after. He was a rather influential person in the area, and he helped develop it as a resort, as a resort, kind of thinking of Vegas, um, with the racetrack and a hotel. And because of his involvement, he became Arcadia's first mayor. He partnered with Henry Huntington and the Santa Fe Railroad to bring people to the area. So he's a pretty influential guy. California Los Angeles purchased the land in 1947 to create the Arboretum, and in 1956, it was open to the public. These gardens are grouped by geography. So they have gardens for South America, the Mediterranean, South Africa, Australia, and the Asiatic North American Plains. There are also the Aquatic Garden, Meadowbrook, Demonstration Home Gardens, Garden for All Seasons, the Prehistoric and Jungle Garden, Na- Native Oaks, the Herb Garden, and the Palm and Bamboo Collections. Excuse me. So there's a lot of different um, sections to this and you can be walking and you're in the, you know, Australian garden and pretty soon you're right there in the prehistoric and jungle garden. So it's pretty neat to see. There are also peafowl throughout the gardens and you can get beautiful pictures of them in their beautiful settings. And you'll see them up in the trees, in the grass, strutting their stuff, showing off for everybody. And as long as you don't run and chase them, you can um, kind of get close to them to take these pictures. The peafowl is also a symbol of the city of Arcadia. The birds were the birds here are descended from the original birds that Baldwin imported from India back in 1880. So the birds have been long here longer than uh, some of us. In addition to the gardens, summer concerts are held on the grounds as well as several exhibits. The Santa Fe Railroad. Railway Depot was moved here in the 1970s, and it serves as a sort of museum with the railroad memorabilia. The gardens are beautiful, and they have served as the location for several movies and television programs, like Tarzan, Jurassic Park, Murder, She Wrote, and probably more recognizable to many of us, the Queen Anne Cottage, which was used in the opening credits of the television show Fantasy Island. They also have a big gazebo. Yeah, we used to, that, it was so funny because when we would have family come visit us, it was back in the 70s when Fantasy Island was really popular. So that was one of our, you know, and ta-da! Must <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And a Smiles, lot of and awe. Smiles. Yeah. So is that the, is that the little, um, that tower there? Is that where Tattoo would say the plane, the yes. plane? Yes. I thought so, yeah. That's exactly. <laughs> so, and, and it's still there and it's just beautiful. Um, they have a cafe there called the Peacock Cafe, and it has both indoor and outdoor eating, and it serves burgers, sandwiches, soups, salads, as well as a daily special. It's a little bit more simple, I think, than the one at Descanso Gardens. That one's has a larger variety, and being part of the Patina Group, you know, they have yeah. a chef there compared to yeah. the cafe here. Um, there are a few buildings located among the gardens. Among them are the Queen Anne Cottage, which I mentioned. It was built in 1885 and is served as a guest house. It's listed on the National Register of Historic Places. The Hugo Reed Adobe that was built in 1840 is made of sun-dried adobe blocks 
The roof was made of rawhide lashed Carrizo cane, and it's smeared with brea, which in Spanish, that's tar. It's uh, to use, and it was there put on it to protect against the elements. The walls were whitewashed. Lucky Baldwin actually lived in the adobe house and modernized it for his needs. So he built this beautiful Queen Anne cottage for his guests, but he lived in the adobe house. This particular building is a California historical landmark. In addition to the homes, the abandoned train station, the Santa Anita Depot, was moved from its original location, which was a little bit north of the Arboretum, and it was restored to look like it did back in 1890. It is a typical half-passenger, half-freight depot with living quarters upstairs for the agent and family. There are guided tours of the depot on Tuesdays and Wednesdays and every Sunday. There is also a coach barn, and it's a beautiful example of Victorian architecture, and it's in the same style as the Queen Anne Cottage. Lucky Baldwin kept his private carriages in this barn as well as those of his guests, and a report done in 1891 tells of 14 different vehicles in the barn, so you can imagine how large that building is. There are carriages on display in there, and the coach barn is listed on the National Register of Historic Places. The property also has a hut similar to those used by the Tongva American natives called a wiki-up or keys, which is made out of local brush. That is to show how they lived when they had their village there. The Arboretum is also a wildlife sanctuary, and in addition to the peafowl, there are several other birds on the property, as well as small reptiles, mammals, and aquatic animals. And occasionally, not often, but you might even get coyotes there or, or bobcats. Um, so both the Arboretum and Descanso Gardens have several animals that live there, so you might even see snakes, because that is the type of area that we live in, um, plus the other animals. Should we, mention too, should we mention, too, that peacock are actually um, wild like pigeons in that area of town? <laughs> oh, yeah, they're throughout the, they're, I mean, All they throughout fly. throughout the San Gabriel so, Valley. Oh, yeah. my gosh. It's, they it's, get into the neighborhoods and everything. <laughs> yeah, but they sound so cool when they call out. So, not if you're living there. Well, yeah, maybe not, because they are loud. <laughs> they really are. And it's, but even in the gardens, you'll be walking along and they have this waterfall there, which is just beautiful that you can hike to the top of it. And, uh, you can see the, the peafowls down in the gardens below, or sometimes they're up mm-hmm. there too. And we've seen them roosting in trees over there. Um, the admission is the same as Descanso Gardens. It's $9 for the general public, $6 for seniors and students with ID. Five to 12 is $4 and under five is free. There is a tram at the gardens that will take you around, and it operates on Saturdays and Sundays. Tickets for the tram are $5 per person. The Arboretum, I like the Descanso Gardens, is open every day but Christmas, and the hours are 9 a.m. to 4.30 p.m. And as wonderful as these two botanical gardens are, and they really are wonderful, my favorite is the Huntington Library. Before you get to the Huntington, can we mention uh-huh. that if you're planning on going this month, um, on June 22nd, the Beach Boys are actually appearing. Oh, I didn't even say that. Thank you, Nancy. <laughs> right, the Beach Boys. <laughs> There's are a big, huge fan. Their 22nd annual music festival. They have a, actually a lot going on at the Arboretum. I was looking at the calendar. Yeah, I want to go to the Daily Plant Show and sale on the 8th. I highly recommend, I mean... I recommend all three places. The Arboretum yeah. is just, it's just so lush and yeah. it's, 
And one thing different from the Arboretum than Descanso Gardens, it's not hilly like Descanso Gardens yeah. is. It's You have more flat ground, so it's a lot easier to get around, except when you're going to the top of the waterfall and, and stuff like that. So, But thank you for mentioning that. They also have, um, oh gosh, kind of like the rescue pets. Yeah. What do you call that? Um... Well, anyway, those people. They, oh. they'll, SPCA? No. I think it's the S, I don't know if it's the SPCA, but they will take their animals to the Arboretum every so often, and you can go and adopt a pet when you're oh. there. And back okay. in yeah, there's some, some kind of animal shelter? Yeah. Animal rescue? It's animal rescue. And we actually, we were, <laughs> we were there. I was there with my kids, and we saw this dog that we decided we wanted. This is back in 1997. And I had to pay cash. It was $60. And I drove all the way home, got the money, because I didn't have an ATM back in those days, and drove all the way back to um, to buy the, to get the dog. So we named him Copper, and he lived with us for several years. But, yeah, they have – there's a lot going on in all of these. And there's also things that they have for kids. And ex- in addition to the exhibits, there's a lot of hands-on things to do because they want people – in addition to just being beautiful gardens, or I should say yeah. they're not just beautiful gardens. They're educational um Oh my gosh, opportunity workshops, the Ikebana classes. Yeah, um, there's there's a lot going on. The Pasadena Pops. So it's, uh, I had, and like I said, it's closest to the Santa Anita racetrack. There's a lot going on over there. But yet you walk in the Arboretum and you're just in this beautiful, peaceful place and you leave yep. the outside world behind and you're there communing with nature. Yep. It's beautiful. So now I'm going to talk about the Huntington Library. And like I just mentioned, was that um, right now it's my, it is my favorite. Though I don't know if that's because my son took me there on Mother's Day and we Aww. spent a wonderful time. Mm-hmm. It was my first visit and I was thoroughly impressed by the Huntington Library. So the Huntington Library, our collections of botanical gardens, is located in San Marino, which is next to Pasadena. It was just down the school from where Kelly went to um, the... Shoot. Uh, Cordon Bleu. Yeah. Right the there. CSCA. Right. Yeah, very close to Colorado Boulevard where they have the Rose Parade. Yeah. So it's um, about 32 miles from Disneyland. And again, it's going to take you 40 to 45 minutes. All of them are 40 to 45 minutes from Disneyland um, if without traffic and a little bit more with traffic. This is the smallest of the three gardens and it's on 120 acres of land. Remember... um, Arboretum was 127 acres of land, and Descanso Gardens is on 150 acres of land. Yep. The land was purchased by Henry Edwards Huntington, who was the nephew and heir of Collis P. Huntington, who was one of the big four railroad tycoons. So he had plenty of money to buy the land and have his Beaux Arts mansion built, which was finished in 1911. The mansion is, I think, I'm not even going to say how big it is. It's huge. It's enormous. He married his uncle's widow, Arabella, and she was very influential in his art collection. So without children, the two of them had plenty of time to go collecting art and travel abroad and and um, really inter- take advantage of, of their loves, which was art and rare book collection. 
He, in besides the rare books, he also collected manuscripts. And luckily for us, a lot of these are on display. Some of them are put away in, they're so old that they're put away in, um, in a controlled environment and we see replicas. But there's also other, um, of these rare books that we actually do see. So the Huntington Library consists of several buildings and beautiful gardens. <laughs> the gardens here are themed and they include the Australian Garden, Community Collection, Children's Garden, Desert Garden, which is one of the world's largest and oldest collections of cacti and succulents, mm-hmm. Herb Garden, the Japanese Garden, which was put in 1912, which has a Zen Garden, which is really cool. You know how they sell those little, the little uh, sand sandboxes with rakes that you could, you could, you know, rake and be at peace. Mm-hmm. This is a huge garden where that's what they do is they rake it and the different swirls. And you can sit there with benches and just kind of meditate yeah. if you wish. There's a lot of places there where you can do that. They also have um, koi ponds, a furnished Japanese house, fully furnished Japanese house, bonsai collections, ceremonial tea house, lily ponds, North Vista, palm garden, and a rose garden. Shakespeare Garden, Subtropical and Jungle Garden, and the newest garden is the Chinese Garden, garden. which was um, put in in 2008, which also has a tea house and other pavilions. Disneyland Connection. What's the Disneyland Connection? Connection. All of those beautiful koi fish in the gardens. Yes. Oh, wow. They came from the Disneyland Hotel. That's where they When the koi ponds were taken. Yep. Dun-dun-dun-dun. And we saw six well, degrees wonder- of Disney. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> That's really good to know. I wondered where they went. Truly. Yeah. Um, Nicholas and I didn't get to the Chinese garden because there was so much to see. So we have to go back. Um, besides the lovely outdoor gardens, the guests can visit the conservatory, which I found to be so interesting. It has a rainforest, a cloud forest and a bog inside of there. There are some also hands-on exhibits that you can explore that show you how different plants work in the different environments that they're in. The bog has a section where you could actually step on to see what it feels like to walk in a bog. And the bog also had um, the Venus flytrap and other plants that eat bugs in there. Fun. Yeah. And the cloud forest was neat too. And that was, they just had this mist and you walk through and you just saw all the plants that are nourished by the mist from the clouds. That was, it was just really neat. Awesome. The Huntington Library has a real library, hence the name, where guests can visit and they can see two permanent exhibits there. One exhibit has several historical books, like a copy of the actual Gutenberg Bible. There's 11 vellum copies known to exist, and one of them is at the Huntington Library. They also have Ellesmere Manuscript of Chaucer, and the cool thing about some of these, too, is that they have um, those telephones that you could listen, and you can hear the uh, Canterbury Tales in the original dialect, Fun. which is, I don't know if it's Old or Middle English, it's, but... It's um, Old English. Old English? No. Yeah, it's Old I think English. it's Middle English. Middle English? But, it, but it's if we try to say it ourselves, we, there's no way that we would be able to pronounce it the way it's supposed to be. So it's nice to listen to these 
telephones and listen to the words the way they were supposed to be pronounced. They also have manuscripts by our American forefathers like George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, Ben Franklin, and Abraham Lincoln. And these are authentic manuscripts. It's the only library in the world with the first two quartos of Hamlet. It has the first seven drafts of Henry Thoreau's Walden and a huge copy of John James Audubon's Birds of America and is open to one page. And, you, you know, you see these things, you, you le- read about them, you see replicas of them, but to see the actual manuscripts and books in front of you is just, it's just wonderful. There's a lot more there that I'm not going to say because we don't have the time to hear everything um, I will say, though, that they have the first editions of a lot of books like um, by authors like Jack London, Mark Twain, and other famous authors. Again, too numerous to name. Well, the um, two big exhibits, though, for the summer um, right now is the end of Lost and Found, The Secrets of Archimedes. That's which, an exhibition that they have. There. Yeah, the exhibition. And the other big exhibition for the summer is Albrecht Durer. Definitely all the works of Albrecht Durer, which are fabulous to see. He was See, uh, amazing. Print- he was ama- an amazing medieval printmaker. Okay, so I we didn't go see his exhibition, but we did go to the Archimedes, mm-hmm. which was fascinating. It's only going on until June twenty second, so I really encourage people who are visiting the Disneyland Resort and have that sixth day to go there to see these. It's um. He lived in Syracuse, Sicily in the 3rd century BC, and he's known as a brilliant mathematician, physicist, inventor, etc., an astronomer. And the 10th century, uh, in Constantinople, an anonymous, anonymous scribe, he copied Archimedes' treatises in the original Greek onto parchment. Well, mm-hmm. in the 13th century, a monk got the Archimedes' text and he erased it. He cut the pages along the centerfold and he re- rotated the leaves 90 degrees and he folded them in half. Then he wrote biblical scripture on those. So the library has 12 of these pages on display and it tells a story how these were almost destroyed. They were stored in an attic. They got lost. People didn't realize what they had. And somebody got hold of them one day and started looking at them and they saw the writing underneath. And they recognized the writing to be um, one of Archimedes' treatises that they were studying about. And so they saw some of the writing, but it wasn't until more modern times in the technology where they could... I, I, it's not x-ray, but it's kind of like x-ray where you could actually mm-hmm. see both texts. You can see the biblical writing on top, and you can see Archimedes' writing underneath where even though they erased it because it was on vellum, it really wasn't erased. So you could still see the ink in there. So it's fan- it's just fabulous. And they have these 12 pages in between glass, um, two glass panes so that you can see them on both sides. And you can see how through neglect through the years, because people didn't realize what they had, how some of them were destroyed by bacteria, you know, in some or mold in some of these books because it was vellum. And yeah. so um, when they did find out, there's this one lady who spent years and years and years um, preserving and saving the books, cutting the bindings and cutting out the pages. And so they distributed the pages to different museums throughout the world. And lucky for us, we have this exhibition right now. So I'm so glad that we saw it. And I, again, I, I really recommend that 
that people, if they have the opportunity to go see it before um, June 22nd, which is, I think, right yes. the week after Father's Day. Yes. Go yes. Then. Is that Canterbury Tales uh, exhibit permanent? Yes. Good, because when I was at university, when we read Canterbury Tales, we had to read it in the original Middle English. Oh, we did too. So, so I now have... I've got to hear what it was supposed to sound like. So, so in your mind, are you thinking when that Aprilia with the short is caught in? I don't know anything else, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, pretty much, yeah. <laughs> right. But yeah, excuse me. And they say the whole page, Michael. So that's really cool. And they have other, um, other things that you're listening to or that they talk about, like the Audubon, Audubon book. There's a narrator that you pick up the, the, um, the little phone and you listen to it. And all of that is part of the entry into the... There's no extra charge to go into the library. On the other side of the library, you figure picture a rectangle. So on one side of this rectangle is the exhibit that I just spoke about. On the other side, you have the history of science, which focuses on astronomy, natural history, medicine, and light. The exhibit is quite large, and it was just so fascinating. So these two exhibits themselves, Nick and I spent an hour and a half probably going through them and looking at everything. And we still, I probably could have spent more time in the book section. In addition to these two permanent exhibits, the library hosts rotating exhibits. There are many rare books and the library's holding contains 7 million items, over 400,000 rare books and over a million photographs, prints, and other items that Huntington collected. Qualified scholars come to the library for research purposes, and to get to use the library in this way, you must have a doctoral degree or be a candidate for a PhD and have two letters of recommendation from known scholars. So not anyone can see these rare, these rare items, but every once in a while they'll rotate them out so that the public can, can get a, a look at them. And they do have, I'll, I'll call them docents, um, watching over you when you walk in they'll answer questions or um they're just there to make sure that nobody messes with the stuff because you're you're right there the all of these items are so close so i'm i'm glad that they're not behind more of a locked locked um case or something um another thing too is they have those old rolodexes where they have all the categories and you walk in the library and you can just see these bookcases like up on the second floor, just just covered with books. Such a neat place to go to. Because Huntington was so rich, he actually purchased entire libraries. So he would see a library that maybe was going under and he, they had rare books. He would just purchase it. So luckily for us, they, they've preserved it here. In addition to the library right next to it, they have the actual mansion and guests can wander through it. Can't go in all the rooms, but you can go into quite a few rooms on the first floor and you can even go up on the second floor. Because our time was short, we only went through some of the rooms and we saw there's a lot of... One thing that they have in the mansion are paintings from Europe and mostly Britain. After World War One, when people were kind of hard up, Huntington kind of saw the opportunity and he went and he purchased a lot of artwork, especially from England. And of note is the, um, I think famous Thomas Gainsborough's The Blue Boy. Have you guys ever heard of that painting? Yeah. yeah. The, the Blue, Blue Boy is yes. hugely famous. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
because I told my son about it and he didn't know what I was talking about. <laughs> and we happened to run into an acquaintance of his who was there with her mother for Mother's Day. And we were, and the mother said, well, what is there to see? And I told her, I said, oh my gosh, the mansion has the blue boy. And she, she shot, you know, she just out loud. She was like, oh wow, the blue boy. And her daughter was like, what are you guys talking about? <laughs> so I don't know if it's a generational thing. Another or- Disney connection. <laughs> Both Kermit the Frog and Mickey Mouse have been painted as Blue Boy. I didn't know that. Oh, jeez. Yes, both of them. No, both of them have. Okay, no, I have an even better connection to Disney. Okay, I'm looking. It. I'm looking in the online store. Father's Day gifts. William Shakespeare's Star Wars. Oh, how it's a book. funny. Yeah, $14.95. And you have to see Darth Vader dressed as the bard. Oh, my oh, God. Oh, how awesome. <laughs> okay, that's pretty cool. Um, the, the mansion has, a, again, his own personal libraries in there. And there's a lot of the types of uh, furniture that they had when they lived there. I thought it was really interesting. We kind of rushed through it because of... We had so much to see, and since it wasn't, well, I'll tell you the time, but we, you really do need a full day to see this, the, the Huntington Library. Yeah. Next down, and then the, the, the gardens there are just absolutely gorgeous. They had this fountain there um, right outside. Just a lot of picture opportunities for people who like to take pictures. Near the mansion, there's another building which holds American art by famous artists. Highlights among the American art collections include Breakfast in Bed by Mary Cassatt, The Long Lake by Edward Hopper Small. I'm sorry, by Edward Hopper. Small Crushed Campbell Soup Can Beef Noodle by Andy Warhol. And Global Loft Spread by um, Robert Rauschenberg. So there's a lot of art. We didn't go into that building because we didn't have time. So another another place that I want to go visit. Like the other botanical gardens, the Huntington Library offers dining at the Rose Garden Tea Room. Reservations are required uh, to eat there, and they do serve tea with scones. It sounds so neat to go there. It overlooks the Rose Garden. They also have the Chinese Garden Tea House, and they have the cafe. Um, they also, When I was there, they also had a Japanese. I didn't see it on the website, but when we were there, they had the Japanese Tea House, and there were a line of people um, who wanted to go eat over there. So we didn't even bother. The one thing about the Japanese garden, um, it does have accessible entry, but for those who don't need to use a wheelchair, there's a lot of up and down. The path kind of goes upstairs, downstairs, um, by the quay pond, and there's a lot of walking. But it also has an accessible path so that everybody can enjoy them. So I thought that was pretty neat. A very well maintained and um, avail, like I said, available to everybody to use. And the signs that tell you how to get to different places, I thought were really well done. The Huntington Library is open Wednesday to Monday. It's closed on Tuesdays, and during the summer, it's open from ten thirty to four thirty p.m. Um, after Labor Day, it goes from noon until four thirty p.m. So Nick and I, since we went on Mother's Day, we were only there from noon to 4.30. And that's why we couldn't see everything in that time. It's closed on Thanksgiving, Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, New Year's Day, and Independence Day. Admission at the Huntington Library is more than the Arboretum or Descanso Gardens. It's $20 on weekdays or $23 on weekends. 
Seniors are $15 or $18. Students, $12 to $13. And children, $5 to $11 or $8. Under 5 again is free. If you're a member, you do enter free. Now, one thing that was cool there is admission is free on the first Thursday of every month, but you have to get advanced tickets. Otherwise, I'm sure they'd be overrun. Parking there, they had quite a, a lot of big parking area, and it was free, which I thought was nice. And although this particular garden is more expensive, I think it's worth the visit, not only for the botanical gardens, but for the history and the library itself, the artwork, and the conservatory, which was fascinating. Maybe in the summer months you can see everything. But like I said, on Mother's Day, we found that we had to choose which exhibits and gardens we were willing to skip on this visit. So <laughs> we we went to, we wanted to go to the conservatory. Nick and I were both saying, okay, we want this, we want that. So we wanted to go the li- to the conservatory, library, the mansion, and the Archimedes exhibition. We skipped the Chinese garden. We kind of walked through really quickly in the Japanese garden, and we rushed past the... <laughs> the um, Australian garden, the jungle, the lily ponds, bypass the desert. I said, well, we see a lot of that in our area. So I'm sure that if the next time I go, I'll be able to explore those areas more. Now, the, now the other two, are those full day also? Yes. No. Well, <laughs> you know, okay. Three-quarter day, maybe? Okay. I think, well, you I, could do, I think you could visit both in the same day, depending on how... That was going to be my next question. Much, <laughs> are they are they close enough much, to visit both? Yes, they're close enough to visit. Wait, wait. Both. When you say both, are you talking about the arboretum and and the and Descanso? Yeah, they are. They're they're not too far from each other. It's really just start. a po- it's really just a pop down uh, the two ten from each other. Actually, yeah, I just think that Descanso Gardens is so vast that you wouldn't be doing know, it justice. Right, you'd be rushing through, and why would you want to do that to yourself? I, right. you, I, you know, when you say a full day, remember they open, well, Descanso's like 9.30 to 4.30, so let's say you go there till 1, and then maybe the Arboretum oh, yeah, no, in the afternoon, because yeah. Descanso's going to be warmer. Yeah. So I would say do Descanso in the morning, and then do yeah. the Arboretum in the afternoon. Yeah. Um, Nancy has talked about the places to eat near Descanso Gardens. So maybe you could go in the morning and have lunch in the area, or you could eat there at Descanso Gardens since it has a nice restaurant. Go to the Ar- go to the Arboretum and have a nice dinner because you're there near Pasadena, and there are a lot of restaurants in that area. It's plus Old Town Pasadena is just a beautiful place to visit in itself. And oh, evening, yeah. especially in the summer evenings, there it's just. Th- the architecture, the buildings, and the food is just a lovely way to spend the day. Right, Nancy? I would definitely agree. Yeah. So um, uh, just to close out the segment, I would say even though right now the Huntington Library is my favorite, any of these botanical gardens are wonderful to visit, and every season is going to be different. Yes, even in California. The best time, of course, is spring and early summer. So if you're coming out right now, and you're looking for a day six experience that isn't too far from the Disneyland Resort, you can't go wrong visiting either Descanso Gardens, the LA Arboretum, or the Huntington Library. Excellent. Thank you, Mary Jo. That is going to do it for this segment of the Diz Unplugged. Be sure to catch all of our other Disneyland shows this week. And, of course, we'll be back again with you next week. Until then, remember, Disneyland is always more magical when it's shared. Thanks for listening.